Father, we ask in the name of Jesus tonight that you would speak to us, God, that you would just in the next few moments stir our hearts and our spirits toward you. And Lord, that there would be just a deep work of the Holy Spirit done in us, that we would be filled with gratitude to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of the body of Christ. And Father, that we would be given just a greater vision, a greater understanding of what it is we're called to. And the privilege that has been set before us to to be a part of in this generation. And I ask that you would minister strongly tonight by your Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, and I thank you beforehand that you will honor your word. And we honor your word, Father. And we desire to be fed tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. I'm just going to take a few minutes and I want to talk about the difference that Jesus' kingdom has made in the earth. And I want to build upon this probably this coming Sunday but or in, in the Sunday to follow. But I wanted to bring this out to you. I, I do not by any means want to suggest to you that I'm going to stand up here for a half hour or so and try to tell you everything and every motive and every fulfillment of Jesus's ministry when he was on the earth. But I am going to show you directly from the scriptures what a very important part of Jesus's ministry was and what he was sent here to do. And this is in 1 John chapter 3. And the Bible says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so we can find in this passage of scripture a great purpose in Jesus coming. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. When you begin to look into the life of Jesus and you find him dealing with situations, whether it was the Pharisees and the religious bondage that people were in, or whether it was physical sickness and the limitations that people were experiencing in their life, or whether it was death and Jesus raising the dead, in, in every episode that we have in the Gospels, I believe that we're looking not so much at just the simple compassion of Jesus Christ, but we're looking at the kingdom of God exerting its authority against hell and against the kingdom of the devil. And I believe when we begin to have that perspective, then there might be a greater capacity in us to understand what God is desiring to do through our life. And it is not just simply the acts of benevolence. Those are important. I do not underestimate them. Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed those that were sick. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And when we begin to walk in the Holy Spirit and understand the mentality of our king and the purpose of the kingdom of God, and we begin to cooperate with heaven to continue destroying the works of the devil. In this world today, I believe as we line ourselves up with heaven, we're going to see a greater manifestation of miracles in the earth. And so this, this word here, destroy, which is used here, Jesus came to destroy. That word means to loosen, to undo, to dissolve. Anything that is bound, anything that is tied or trapped up into something else that it wants to be free from. To loose any person or thing that is tied or fastened down. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to loosen the bands of wickedness. He came to deliver people. 
He came to untangle people that were ensnared with the devil. I have, in, in, in the years of ministry, I have dealt with numbers of people that have been involved in some type of occultic relationships with the devil. I have been involved with people who have spoken to me saying that they've made covenants with the devil. That they've made agreements with the devil. That if they, if the devil would do this for them, then they would serve the devil. And I've come to present the gospel to people and they had a very difficult time accepting Jesus Christ because they would go back to this purpose or point in their life when in their minds they actually made a contract with Satan. And they believe it is a contract that Satan will not let them out of. And I was able to share with those people the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came into the world to break that contract for them. Isaiah actually says, God declares this through the prophet Isaiah, that your covenant with death, I have annulled. And we know that the king of terror is death and Satan is behind that whole kingdom of darkness and the Bible prophesied in the book of Isaiah that someone was coming who's going to annul the contracts that men have made with Satan. And he's going to cancel them. He's going to redeem them. He's going to pay for you so that you can be free from Satan. He's going to destroy the works of the devil. The works means this, the business, the employment, that which one is occupied with. And so when we put this together, the devil is going throughout the earth. It is his business. It is his occupation to tie you up. It is his business to deceive you. It is his business to entangle you in things that will keep you from God. Even if it's religion, it's church going, it's particular friends or influences in your life that are keeping you from walking with God, keeping you from serving God, keeping you from the joys of God, entrapping you in addictions and drugs, whatever it might be, entrapping you with the need of entertainment, enticing the lusts that are in you so that you can begin to pursue your lust rather than to pursue God. It is Satan's business to bind you up and to entangle you. It is Jesus' business to untangle you. It is Jesus' business and anointing to set you free. And to bring you back into liberty so that you can enjoy the life that God desires to give you. And I want you to read this in Luke chapter 4, which is I'm sure familiar to most of you. But I just want to read it. And remember, Jesus said, or John says, for this purpose Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now we see in Luke chapter 4 how Jesus would do that. Jesus would take the book of Isaiah in the synagogue and he opened it up and he read. In verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. With the authority and the power and the, the ability. To go into the world under this anointing. 
to give good news to poor people. To give the ability to heal the brokenhearted. And, and I just would say that these are the works of the devil. The poverty, the brokenhearted, the captives that are in the earth, the blind that are in the earth, the bruised, the abused, the molested that are in the earth are all the works of the devil. And our churches are filled with people who are hoping and trusting in a Jesus that will get them to heaven. But they continue to live in the name of Christian, but under the label of a victim. They're still wounded. They're still abused. They're still bruised. They still suffer from molestation. They still suffer with, the, with lacking, if you will, the power to be free from particular addictions in their life. When Jesus Christ is anointed by the Spirit of God to set you free. He is more than capable and he's more than willing to do this for your life. And to believe him and to accept him and to allow him to do this in you. You do not need a 12-step program to be set free by the power of God. The power of God can come to you tonight and give you freedom and healing in your heart. He can heal your broken heart. He can deliver you from a depressed spirit. He can give you the garments of praise for the mourning that you've been walking around in. From the despair, not these shots in the arm that we get from maybe an emotional service in a church. Where we really are trusting on God to help us and the, and the atmosphere is just right and the emotions are just right. And we get to an altar and we're just praying, oh, let this be the time because I really feel good about this. Listen to me. It is not an atmosphere that saves you. It is Jesus Christ. Atmospheres change. You can be in the most incredible atmosphere in the presence of God on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or in a prayer group in your home. But Friday's going to come or Saturday's going to come or Monday's going to come and there's going to be a different atmosphere. But Jesus never changes. And Jesus is the one who's anointed to heal us and the one who's anointed to deliver us and the one who's anointed to preach good news to us. It is Jesus that we need. I need to get to Jesus. It's not that I need to get to church. I want to get to church because I believe that his presence is there. But I want to get to Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to leave church tonight with Jesus. I want to get in my car with Jesus. I want to go to bed with Jesus. I want to wake up with Jesus. Because Jesus is the anointed one. To give me this life and this healing in my life. It's not this fix. Everybody wants a fix. Everybody wants this touch. Everybody just wants this immediate thing. But Jesus and his presence is the power that is extended to us through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10 also tells us this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. Just think about the world since the fall of man. Or just think about the world that we live in today. The corruption and the suffering and the tears and the brokenness that is in our hospitals all over Baton Rouge. Our, the slave trafficking that is in Baton Rouge. The drug addictions, the opioid addictions, the death by fentanyl that is in our city. The poverty that is striking people's lives. People that do not have the ability to keep up with the inflation. 
and their lives are suffering and they're wondering what they're going to do to be able to survive or pay their bills. They feel the crunch coming upon them. Is there a Jesus for me? You better believe there is. You better believe there is. There's a Jesus for you to help you. Think of the prisons and the graveyards. Think of the slaves, the child slavery that's in America today. This is something we as Americans like to bury our heads in the sand regarding. But child slavery in America is on the rise. The illegal immigrants that might be coming in here, brought here by drug cartels, are brought into the United States of America, and they're immediately brought into the factories and, and made to work like slaves. Little children having parts of their body cut off from these, these powerful factories that they do not have, know how to operate the machinery, and they're tossed into dumpsters when they bleed out. This is going on in the United States of America. Is there a Jesus for that? You better believe there is. But this Jesus wants to get beyond the walls of this building. It's not enough to have just a, a great service tonight and hear about Jesus and cheer about Jesus and shout about Jesus. But to go out on the streets and carry this Jesus out to where the hurting really are. But how can wounded people offer any hope for the wounded? How can sick people offer hope for the sick? How can abused people living as victims offer any hope to the victims? My God, let Jesus heal us. Let Jesus deliver us. Let Jesus give us new life, new hearts, new creations so we can go out to the streets of our city with the power of God and be able to do something about the atrocities that are going on in our streets. God give us this ability because if we can do something in our city, then maybe we could do something in our region and then perhaps our state and then perhaps our country. We could do something for the glory of God and the power of God in our life. What an amazing, wonderful declaration it is of the gospel of Luke that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. Praise God. He came to do that. He came to proclaim liberty to captives. He came to comfort those that mourn. He's come to give beauty for ashes. If that's you, he's come for you. No exceptions. There's nobody he's overlooking. There's nobody he's going to pass by. That is for you. This is the passion of the life of Jesus Christ. It is his passion that he has for the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross declaring, now shall the God of this world be cast out. And when he laid his life down on that cross, three days later, he took his life up, but not the way he went into the grave. He went into the grave, if you will, in that flesh and blood body. But when he rose again, he rose again in a flesh and bone body, declaring that the new creation has begun. And just as sure as Jesus rose again from the dead in a glorified body, it was an everlasting testimony that God has won. And God will fill this earth with his glory. And that's the passion of Jesus Christ. And I believe when Jesus saw that funeral in Nain, not only did he have compassion for this widowed woman who had no husband and no children to take care of her, he saw what Satan was doing in it. When Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus, it wasn't just Jesus wept. 
But it was this agony that was in Jesus Christ because of the contest that he was dealing with, with death. Death being an enemy. He was grieved with that conflict. And he would defeat Satan that day. He would expose Satan as the one who did not have the power. But God had the power. When he saw those that were hungry, he would feed them. When he was disturbed with the weather, he would calm it. When he was entrapped on the shore without a boat to get across, he'll walk on the sea. Why? Because he came to defy the limitations that Satan put on humanity. He lived as a man and walked as a man, but under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ sent his church out into the world to do the things that he was sent here to do. I just want you to read this. This is the last scripture I'm going to turn to. But it's in John chapter 20. And I want you to see this charge that Jesus gives to his disciples. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so now. I send you. Wait a minute before you go. How did Jesus go? Anointed with the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. In the authority of the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus went into the world. That's how Jesus was able to do the things that he did. Because he lived and he walked as a man. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and the Holy Spirit anointed him. And if we are by any measure whatsoever going to fulfill to the degree, to the nth degree, any degree, the things that Jesus Christ did when he was on the earth, we must have the same anointing that he had. We must have the same Holy Ghost Upon us that came upon him. That's why Jesus said just a verse down in verse 22. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It's not just the fact that you can confess me or that you can believe in me. But if this world is to be confronted with my presence. Then you have to have my spirit upon your life. You have to have power. You have to have authority to deal with devils. To deal with sickness. To deal with the own limitations of our own life. Our own hurts, our own wounds. We need the Holy Spirit to lift us up and to lift us out so that we can go forth in His power and we can help humanity. I'm here tonight to rejoice in what the kingdom of God has done in this earth. I rejoice in what Jesus Christ has accomplished since He came to earth as a little baby in a Bethlehem manger. I'm encouraged and I rejoice. And how Jesus Christ has changed history. How Jesus Christ has changed humanity. And how Jesus Christ has placed in the earth a man that had never been there before. And this man is called the church of Jesus Christ. The habitation of God by the Holy Ghost. There is an alien in the earth and it's the church of Jesus Christ. Heaven born, spirit filled. And not under the dictates or the authority of any elements that are upon this planet. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And this church went forth out of the upper room, 120 of them, and turned the world upside down. Because they went forth in the power of God's Spirit. The life of Jesus was in them. And they did heal the sick. 
Their shadows fell on the demon-possessed and the sick. And they were made whole and they were delivered from demons. Just their shadow falling upon them. Don't pray for God to do it again. God is desiring for us to do it again. That we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. This world's not going to be one with an argument. You're dealing with a demonic brain out there. A demonic brain that cannot reason with sound facts and truth. What has to be done is a demonstration. Because this world and this culture is entangled and bound up with demonic thinking and demonic minds and a demonic way about it. And reasoning is not the answer today. We need the same power of Jesus Christ to walk these streets that walk the streets of Jerusalem. And that will expose the lies of the devil and untangle men from his bondage. This is what is so desperate in this hour. We are that people. And I rejoice that this kingdom has accomplished so much and has done so many wonders in the earth. Kingdom people who understood the heart of the king and understood the desires of the kingdom were willing to, and glad to give their lives for the sake of this call. They were willing to be pilgrims and strangers in this earth. They were rejected as their king was rejected. They were hated as their king was hated. They were accused of being devils like their king was accused. They were despised in the offscoring of the earth. And Hebrews 11 says the world was not worthy of them. But they were followers of the Lamb. And they were glad to follow Him. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they accounted eternity a greater value than to chase the dung of this earth. They chased the glory of God. And they changed history. And they changed cultures by the power of God. The kingdom of God has been tremendous in the earth. Up until Jesus Christ, the law and the prophets were preached. But ever since Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God was preached. And Jesus was able to say that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God is before you. And the kingdom of God went forth through Jesus Christ and those apostles. And it just didn't speak reasonable words. It dealt with devils wherever the kingdom of God found them. And delivered the masses of humanity from their terrible grips that people were held in. Wherever the church went in the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the gospel. The empires and the powers of darkness were banished. Pagan civilizations beholden to demonic gods were set free and obliterated from the fear-stricken practices of the people. It was the kingdom of God that drove Poseidon from the ocean so that men would not be afraid to sell the globe. It was the kingdom of God that destroyed the fear of the gods, the enchanted forest and the magic and the occult. The great power of God arrived in the person of Jesus Christ and was carried over into his people through the Holy Spirit. The freeing of slaves, the elevation of women... The regard and the respect towards children was brought by the kingdom of God. And wherever women were elevated and children were respected, you will know that the kingdom of God had been there. In our world today where the kingdom of God is not and the kingdom of Allah is, then women and children are still degraded. Wherever the kingdom of God has gone, humanity has been elevated. And that is the beauty of God's kingdom and the worth of the value of his kingdom. The contribution of Christianity to the joy of this earth is unspeakable in every regard. 
Christianity has worked so marvelously. And I'm not talking about the title Christianity. I'm talking about a God-possessed people who is the church of Jesus Christ. It has worked marvelously in the earth. Not because it's so otherworldly, but it is so concerned for the elevation of the broken and the bruised and the battered and the molested. The kingdom of God is not afraid to go where so many people are afraid to go. Because the magic and the charms and all of the hopes and all of the wishes of all of the religions cannot put together a broken heart. But Jesus can. And those that walk with Jesus are not afraid to walk into those places where people have been devastated by the corruption of Satan. They're ready to go in there and they're ready to expose Satan for the liar that he's been life for all of these years. The beauty of the kingdom of God is the love that the kingdom of God has for broken people. And all people. For men, for women, for boys, for girls. For the rich, for the poor, for the educated, for the ignorant. The kingdom of God has no preference and makes no distinction. And bids all men to come. And wherever a man or a woman will cry to God, the kingdom of God will come to them. That is the beauty of the kingdom of God. The way of forgiveness. The way of redemption. The way of love. The way of compassion. The way of canceling debts. This world has never heard of the glory of these cancellations like they've heard it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the God who has been offended is the same one who paid the debt. No other religion preaches that. This is the way of love. It is the way of God. It is the only ability and the only power that can restore the value of fallen humans. To the godly image that he created them in. The desire and the expression of the infinite worth of one soul. Is magnified by the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. One soul. Is worth it all. One soul. He'll leave 99 sheep. For one soul. One soul is worth it. There's no other truth. No other king. No other kingdom. That dares to proclaim something of that regard. The redemption of bad men. The acceptance and the receiving of sinners. The opening of the gates of heaven to those that were unworthy simply on the merits of grace and faith is unheard of outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Freedom from guilt, freedom from sin, freedom from tormenting demons all come from the cross of Jesus Christ and nowhere else. The government of God has revolutionized the world. It has brought into the world reformers and statesmen and doctors and law enforcement and government. That have all been set forth by God. Christianity has gone forth into the world. And it is set before men. The loving God. The glorious eternity. The glorious kingdom. A universe filled with joy and delight. Justice and freedom. A future with no war and no calamity. Our preaching. Our art. Our songs. Our communities. Have enriched the world like no other kingdom ever has. When America was Christian she was great. When she turned from God, she became the nightmare of the world. But when she walked with God, she was a beacon of light to the world. And missionaries were sent forth from her into the world of darkness 
to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. And nations that were bound by demons were set free from them in order to have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when America turned from God, she became a nightmare. Instead of leading the world in missions, she would lead the world in porn addiction and murder, crime, drugs, and slavery. Shut Christ out of the public square, silence the church, and darkness will take over. They'll burn your cities down. You'll lock your doors at night and you'll sleep with a gun if God is not there. And for you, Christian, you, Christian, who was once so beholden to God and so in love with God and so filled with the Holy Spirit and so on fire with the Holy Spirit, you knew what joy was. You knew what life was. You knew what liberty was. You were excited about God. You were fearless to walk with God. You loved your word. You desired and hungered to pray. You sought after the presence of God. But forsake God and let God just become more and more absent from your life and from your heart. Not your disciplines, not your religion, but from your heart. And you begin to turn to other things. Then you will live in your depression and your misery and your darkness and your despair. Not because God has turned from you. But let God back in and the light will come back and the joy will come back and the power will come back. That's what he says in Ephesians chapter 5. Awake thou that sleepest and Christ will give you light. It will come back to you. For God is not far from any of us that call upon him. And he's near to all of those that cry. And maybe you say, well, anybody can do those things and improve society. Well, they haven't. But Jesus has. And when Buddha came into this world and Muhammad came into this world and Confucius came into this world or any other religious leader came into this world, the angels did not sing. But when Jesus came into this world, the heavens burst forth with joy. And said, peace on earth, good will towards men. Fear not, for I bring to you good news of great salvation to all men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Nobody else got that at their birth, but Jesus got it in his. And we get to go and herald that. And oh, to God In the power of the Holy Spirit, it is able to be proclaimed. So you may say, well, others can do that. Well, they haven't. You look at the worlds today where God is not. You look at the worlds today where Jesus is not. You look where Jesus is not treated with respect, not treated with honor, not treated with reverence, not treated with holiness. And you will see the corruption and the rottenness of those societies. And it doesn't take long before the rottenness that is within them becomes the rottenness that defines them. It doesn't take long. So I ask you this as I close. What do you do all day? What do you wake up for? What excites you? What gets you out of bed? What's on your heart when you wake up in the morning? What's in your heart when you go to bed at night? To get up out of that bed. And to bring the light of the kingdom of God. 
where the devil has entrapped and ensnared people all over this world. Because to this very day, Jesus Christ still holds the power. And a fearless church knows that. These young people that have the, the faith to go into the, to the malls or wherever they're going to share their faith are inspiring multitudes of us. Well done, young people. Well done. Continue. We're following you. Believe it or not, we are following you. Your faith, your courage, I commend you. I think this is so worthwhile to serve the kingdom of God. So I ask you, what do you do all day? What do you think about all day? Just another work day, the mundane, the drudgery of it, earning another dollar, paying your bills, hoping for a better job, hoping for a better turn of events. I can tell you this for this one short life. I personally know nothing that is offered to any man compared with the joy of serving the kingdom of God. And my short life that I'm able to live on this earth, I want to live with my heart burning for the king and my life consumed for the kingdom. It does get me up in the mornings and it keeps me up at night. My Lord keeps me up. Communion with him and intimacy with him is everything there is about life. And wherever Jesus is not, there is no life. And wherever Jesus is, there is life. And Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us, but I want to be so aware of his presence. I want to lay on my bed at night and I want to think about him through the night watches. I go sit up in my room upstairs and I look out through the window and I can just look up into the night and I can look up into the dark sky and I can just long, oh, he who my soul loves, come for me. Come for me. But to live for Christ, let it be gain for me and let it be good for me. Let me wake up in the morning to live for you. I'm not by any means trying to insinuate that I'm a man without temptation or without failure. I'm very acquainted with those. I'm very acquainted with weakness. But he didn't choose me because I was strong. But because I believe. And I believe in him. And I love him. I pity the men who seek the dung of this world. Pity them. I feel so sorry for them. This is all they have to grab hold of and put in their pockets. Put them on their shelves as as trophies, just piles of dung. This is what you've gained. I feel so sorry for the people. I watch the misery of the rich, the agony of the famous. And I weep for them. I watch disinterested young people trying to be so cool. You are not cool. I've known you my whole life. I grew up with them. People that walk with Jesus. People that love Jesus. People that count the cost to serve Jesus Christ. We know what it takes. It takes love. Love. I love him. And that's cool. That's all right. I grew up walking with Jesus. I'm the worst kid in the family. 
but I'm in the family. And I grew up walking with him. And I haven't found yet one thing that entices me to turn from Jesus to follow something else. Not one thing. So I close with this. There is no work more wonderful, no joy more full, no labor more rewarding, no weariness more satisfying than walking with God. There is no other pursuit that has a heaven like this heaven or a king like this king or a love like this love and I say to you give your all give your all this movement has changed the world please let it change ours let it change our generation Get to the place where if all you've got is the Holy Ghost, then you're going to win this world for Jesus. Get to that place. The whole world is against me. Then tell the world I'm against it. Get to the place. Let's worship. Come on, just stand. Let's get to these altars and worship. Let's just worship the King. We're part of something so great, so mighty, so fantastic. Beloved, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. You're dry, you're cold, you're empty. You need the Holy Ghost. What do I do? You need the Holy Ghost. Where do I go? You need the Holy Ghost. How do I help my friend that's dealing with suicide? You need the Holy Ghost. He's the answer, and he gives you the